All right, get your Bibles open this morning. I want to talk about uh, fasting for breakthrough and being positioned for breakthrough. And I want to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I encourage you to get your, if you have your old school Bible, like in your hand, open it up to the pages Bible instead of just following on the screen. You can do that. But uh, get into the Word with me this morning and follow along. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Have any of you ever had situations in your life where you felt like there was just a massive assault or attack on your family or your situation and you kind of were overwhelmed and uh, didn't really know what to do? You know, we've got people here this morning. I've talked to a number of you before the service. Sometimes it's incredible family uh, pain. Uh, sometimes it's folks in our family that have, have been dealing with addiction. We have folks like that that I've talked to, and, and it's up and down, and it's frustrating, and two steps forward, three steps back, and uh, you wonder, is this person ever going to get free? There's lots of situations that are going on in our lives where we just need to see fasting as a weapon, and I hope you guys, if, if you heard my heart, I wasn't looking to check off the box and make sure every single person was doing a 21-day Daniel fast. I offered that as a, said, hey, participate, but I just wanted you to learn to participate at some level because here's the reality of it. You're going to find situations that you face in life where you need greater firepower, and, and you need to know how to use the proper power tools, and fasting is a power tool. Um, fasting is, when it's mixed with prayer and seeking the Lord, is a power tool. And so I'm encouraging some of you where you have situations that just seem intractable. Like, you know, I mean, you know, human nature is tough to deal with sometimes. Like when people are a certain way, they're like, well, that's just so-and-so. That's just, that's just the way he or she is. Well, that's just the way he or she is until they've had a radical supernatural encounter with Jesus that changes their life forever. And, uh, and, and Jesus wants to do that in everybody's life. And so our desire is to really turn up the heat. Some of you need a miracle in your life. You know, Marion was just sharing with me a book that she read from uh, Anne Graham Lotz, you know, uh, a great part of the, the uh, wonderful uh, Gr- Billy Graham family. And uh, she struggled with uh, infertility in her, in her marriage. And so she spent a day a week fasting and praying that God would heal that. Um, how many of you know intense fasting and prayer that's prolonged over time over certain areas leads to breakthrough? And so I want to encourage you, if you're dealing with a health situation that's incredibly serious, spend a day a week in prayer and fasting over that situation and ask God for a healing. You know, God's not offended that you ask him to heal. God's not offended that you ask him to save people that are, that are not saved. You know, I'm looking out at some folks where might be some family members that uh, aren't even part of a Christian faith. Maybe they're atheists or maybe they're part of a different faith, um, but they don't know Christ. Um, guess what? Jesus wants to save them. And there's spiritual warfare surrounding all these situations. And so we need to fight fight with the right weapon is what I'm trying to tell you. Don't, don't use a butter knife when your enemy's got a sword. Um, use a massive sword, and that massive sword is fasting. And notice we said, just by way of reminder, when you fast, Jesus said it, thus saith the Lord. So I'm encouraging you, please build into your calendar uh, a regular season of fasting. It doesn't have to be 21 days. It could be one day. I would like to challenge everybody, one day a week, push away breakfast, push away lunch. If you want to eat dinner, that's great. But breakfast and lunch, and spend that time it with the Lord. And spend that time in prayer over situations that you're facing. And cry out to God. Don't be religious about it. Cry out to God. Amen? And then here's one other thing I want to ask you to do. Send me lots of emails, text messages, instant messages, 
telling me what God's done. Because this year is going to be a year of supernatural breakthrough. All right? I'll say it again. This year is going to be a year of supernatural breakthrough. All right? And I want to hear all the juicy details. All right? Gossip about Jesus all you want to me. All right? Not about other people, but gossip about Jesus. Just tell me all the stuff Jesus is doing. All right? I want to hear it. So let's take a look here. Notice, as we open up 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's a very dire situation. We've got three armies that are all converging on, on Israel. It says it's a vast army. Uh, and their goal is complete annihilation of God's people. And I want you to look at verse 3. This is comforting to me. Jehoshaphat was terrified. Can I just tell you, to be fearful is human. But what we do with the fear is what's important. If you had a massive three-nation army outside your doorstep whose goal was to wipe you out, it's okay to be terrified initially until we get, come to our senses, and then we begin to, to fight with the weapons God's given us. And so take a look. It says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. God, I need help. I need wisdom. Help me, help me, help me. But look at what it says. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So I want you to see this. The spiritual leader, or the, the, the political leader of the nation, the king, called the people into a season of prayer and fasting. Now, can I just tell you, for, for anybody that's believed the lie that America was not founded as a Christian nation, you can go back in our history and find proclamation after proclamation from our presidents calling us as a nation to prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord, not a higher power, seeking the Lord, Jesus Christ. This is part of the historical record. This is what we did when war was taking place, uh, when America was called to war. Uh, we sought the Lord, and there was national days of repentance and humility. And, and I just want to say this again. When you read about public humility in the Bible, that is synonymous with fasting. That's what fasting was. It was pushing away food. It was humbling yourself. It was seeking God. So notice, if you were on the verge of annihilation and your pastor said, hey, everybody, meet at the church tonight, 7 o'clock. We're, we're going to fast and pray and cry out to God. I'll bet the place would be packed because you're looking at absolute annihilation, and if God doesn't show up, you're dead. So guess what? That's a great motivator to seek the Lord, is it not? And so they're seeking the Lord, young and old. Everybody's coming here. And let me just say this. Some of you are teaching your children during this fast to give up a meal or to give up sweets or to give up something. I applaud you. You're never too young to learn spiritual disciplines in your life. And can I just tell you, in other nations of the world that are facing incredible opposition, those parents teach their children to fast from an early age, when they're in elementary school. And I just want to encourage all of our parents here, no, your kid's not going to die from, from, you know, from uh, not having a meal or two or something like that, as long as your purpose is to teach them self-control and discipline and the seeking of the Lord. I mean, you know, those are good lessons to learn. Uh, and the earlier, the better. So Jehoshaphat calls everybody together. And um, this is a powerful corporate prayer time, and they're going to set themselves to seek the Lord. Now, I already shared with you, I'm very, very excited about what we're setting ourselves up for, because this is what we did for the last 21 days, is we sought the Lord, we're praying, we had corporate prayer, uh, and, and I'm really excited to see, again, the breakthroughs that are going to happen. But let me give you seven weapons. I'm going to go through these quickly. Seven weapons, beginning in verse 5. The first weapon is the weapon of prayer. It says, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And look at verse 6. He prayed. And look at what he said. 
O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful. You are mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Now, I want you to notice something here. The prayer should not be focused on, oh God, we're, you know, we're pitiful, help us. We don't, you know, we're not whining to God. How many of you have ever whined to God or begged God? I know, I know I've been there. Look at how he prays. He prays by declaring the greatness of who God is. He declares the names of God. He declares the acts of God. He declares the power of God. And I just want to encourage you, if you got this big problem, like huge problem right here, the easiest way to shrink the problem is to grow the size of God. And when I say grow the size of God, we're not really growing God. He remains the same big awesome self, but our problems make him shrink in comparison. So I want you to notice something. He, he focuses on the character of God. He focuses on the history of God, what God has done in the past. Now, the reason I love testimonies and the reason I spontaneously called Jeff Tim up here uh, and put him on the spot was because I want to put faith in your heart as it relates to stepping out and honoring God. Amen. Notice he had to step out and honor God. He had, he had a vision, but he didn't have the resources. But as soon as he stepped out and began to honor God, the resources came, and then it pushed him over the hill. Now, how many of you think God can come up with it? I, could, I got 100 bucks laying around somewhere I can help Jeff Tim with with the last 100 bucks. Come on. There you go. So here, here's also why I like saying that. Do you realize how crazy fun it is when we start blessing other people? And do you realize it is actually a picture of heaven? And when people start moving in supernatural generosity, you, can't, you know you can't outgive the Lord. So God just starts blessing us corporately. And it gets to be really, really fun. So again, I want you to hear that because this is part of our history here. All right, this is our history. The last thing I'll share is the promises of God. You talk to God about his character. God, you're so great and you're so awesome. Lord, you are Lord over all the nations, including these three nations that are trying to kill me right now. You're Lord over them too. It's good to remind you who's in charge. And then you go rehearse the history and then you rehearse the promises and your faith starts building. That's exactly what's happening in Jehoshaphat's life. So the first thing we have is the weapon of prayer. Now let me give you a weapon that some of you are thinking, man, I don't know that I got too many weapons. I bet most of us have this weapon. The weapon of powerlessness or cluelessness. All right, any of you ever been clueless? All right, good. But how many of you know it's a weapon? You might be thinking, oh, Lord, I'm clueless, man. I don't, have a, I don't even know what to do. Lord, I'm powerless. I don't know. I, don't, I, can't, I can't figure this out. If you can confess your weakness to God, it's basically an invitation for God to step into your weakness. Now, take a look at how this becomes a weapon. Look at what he says. He's praying now. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Isn't that good? Why do we start off our year with week one? W-E-A-K, weakness, week one. Why do we do that? Because it is actually a weapon. When you can get down before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have a clue how to fix this situation. But you do. How many of you know you just took out a massive weapon and you start swinging it and God starts moving on your behalf? God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble, to the clueless, to the weak, 
to the dependent. But those who have it all together, he's like, how's it working out for you guys, all right? He pulls a Dr. Phil on us and lets us run into our own brick wall, and he says, how's that working out for us, all right? We don't want to play the game that way, amen? So how many of you want to swing a weapon called powerlessness this year and just come to the Lord and confess, I God, I can't fix this situation, this person, this thing. I can't do it. Look at the next weapon. This one is super powerful. It's called the weapon of prophecy, and we begin to read about it in uh, verse 14. It says, all the, uh, actually, the verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name is Jehaziel. That means in Hebrew, God sees. Isn't that awesome? Everybody's clueless. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's full of fear. The leaders are praying. They're saying, Lord, we don't know what to do, but you know what to do. And then God touches by his spirit one of the men that's in that group, and the Holy Spirit inside of him begins to speak and it begins to prophesy. Now, can I just encourage you? How many of you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? All right? It should be every believer in this place. That means you're prophetic. What does that mean? It means you have the potential to let the Holy Spirit work through your mouth to encourage people, which is what New Testament prophecy does. It speaks the word of the Lord. It speaks encouragement. It says that you're going to be okay. God's got this. He's got it covered. There's breakthrough coming. Hang in there. Don't quit. It speaks encouragement to people. How many of you know when you come to church on Sunday, you should be prophesying to people? I don't mean walking up and being, you know, spooky or something, slapping hand. Hallelujah. Let's say it to the Lord. No, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about that. It's as simple as saying, hey, I just want to encourage you. You know, I felt like the Lord laid you on my heart. I wanted to share this with you. And it, and when it's the Lord, it touches people's heart. Now my wife's an expert at this. I'll be there worshiping and I'll look to talk to her, and she disappeared. All right? She's gone. And she'll be out. Going up to one of you that God laid on her heart, and she's just sharing a word of encouragement. Next thing I know, she's crying, you're crying. It's a mushy moment. How does that happen? Because she's full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's not looking to hide inside of you. He's actually looking to get out. And so when you open your mouth and you start sharing with people and you start prophesying to people, uh, it's a blessing to them, and it's encouragement to them. So here they're praying, and they're desperate, and God speaks to a guy whose name means God sees. Can I just remind all of you, don't go by what things feel like. God sees. He sees you. He sees what you're praying for. He sees your situation. That's this guy's name. Hey, God sees. What's God saying to us? All right, well, look at what God starts to speak. It gets gooder and gooder, as they like to say here. It says in verse 14, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid and discouraged because of the vast army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. This is awesome. How I many you know fear and discouragement will be the two enemies that most of us will fight all year long? Some of you have already met fear and discouragement this year. They come in, they say, hi there. I'm here to torment you and get you depressed, all right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Fear and discouragement. He says, no, 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 no. Don't live in fear and discouragement. God is actually going to fight this battle for you. Now, how many of you would like God to fight battles for you this year? All right? It's much better than you fighting them all by yourself. So there's a strategy here 
There's a positioning here that's very, very important. But I want to encourage you, the power of your words and the power of, of speaking a word in season. Look with me. Uh, jump on down to verse uh, 20, about the middle of the verse. Jehoshaphat says this, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. And believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. This is so important. Believe in the Lord and believe in his prophets. Believe in God's word, spoken word to us, written word to us, and believe in his spoken word to us. There's going to be situations like here. Three armies come together. We're here to wipe out Israel. Lord, what do we do? How many of you know there's principles in the Bible that you can read that will help you fight that battle? But you need to know what to do now, like with three armies breathing down your neck now. Like, what do we do? And this is why I want to encourage you, don't fall for the for the lie that God stopped talking when he gave us his book. Because the book is complete for everything we need for life and godliness, but you also need specific direction in life, and the Holy Spirit inside of you is to lead you and guide you and to show you. Let me give you an example of uh, strategy. It goes on in, in verse 15 after he says, trust the Lord, he, check, how, check this out for specific strategy. Tomorrow, march out against them. Not today, tomorrow. Not the next day, tomorrow. And you're going to find them coming through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens in the wilderness of Jeruel. Now, the Holy Spirit's telling God sees exactly where the enemy uh, is going to be coming and how they're supposed to respond to the enemy and down to the minutest detail of which valley they're going to be coming through. How I many you know the Holy Spirit has got, got like intel, all right? He's supernatural intel. And he wants to speak to us and give us wisdom about situations that we're facing if we'll seek the Lord and, and intently go after the heart of God. So he tells them exactly where the enemy is going to be and when to attack and how to attack. That, that's called strategy, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk a little bit about weapon number four. It's the weapon called positioning. Look with me at verse 16. I, read, I started reading that to you. Tells, tells them to come out tomorrow. Uh, tells them where they're going to be. Look at verse 17. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid or discouraged. There he has the same two things again, of fear and discouragement. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. The key word here is positioning. Positioning. The reason I encourage you to have fasting in your lifetime is it helps to position your heart in a place of humility and your heart in a place of sensitivity that you stand in the presence of the Lord because sometimes we're too busy, right? We're too busy. We get in the presence of the Lord and we position ourselves. And when you're in the position and you're standing, God says, I'll go ahead of you and fight your battles for you. Now, this is good news, really, really good news. If you're strong-willed, rebellious, you, you rebel against authority, even legitimate authority in your life. It puts you out in left field. When you're in left field, you're out of position. That's right. Amen. I, had a, I was coaching the real young baseball kids. In fact, it, it cured me from ever wanting to coach ever again. <laughs> you know, it's that, it's that year when the person throws the ball, and then you catcher chases it back to the fence, and then you throw it back, and then the catcher chases it back to the fence, and the guy stands there with the bat, and then the bat and the ball never connect ever at all. 
But I had a guy on second base. It was a miracle. He got to second base. And our guy hit the ball into center field. And the kid on second base that should be running home to score started chasing after the ball in center field. <laughs> the center fielder got there before him. He quickly threw him to the ground, ripped the ball out of his hand, and held the ball up like this with the biggest smile he could possibly muster. And I was just looking, going, I have no idea what's going on here. But you are not, you're on second base. You're supposed to be running home. You're out in center field abusing their center fielder to get the ball. What game is this, all right? Sometimes that's the way we live our Christian faith. The Lord's like, you're supposed to be scoring. Why are you running in the outfield? This is not what's supposed to be happening. So can I just say this? Obedience to God is really important. You've got to listen. And there's a sense of timing, and there's a sense of direction that God wants to give you. And notice he says, stand. Like, don't do anything. You're going to mess it up. Just stand. Be still. Who would have thought that being still would be a weapon? This, this word's for somebody. We get so agitated sometimes in pursuing things that sometimes God's just saying, you know what, can you just chill out a little bit? And sit in my presence and let me set you up. Because how many of you know timing is really important? Amen. Timing is really important. i got to go through this quick. Let me, get to, let me get to the next one. The weapon of praise. The weapon of praise. Verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Are you kidding me? Singing to the Lord and praising him. For his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Who would have a crazy idea of sending the choir out in front of the Marines? Now I want you to see what I'm talking about here. This is going to be on my tombstone probably. Sunday is not the weekend. All right, that's going to go on my tombstone. I, I, I want you to get this. What happens on Sunday morning as it relates to everything I'm talking about? What do we start with? Praise. Amen. So, like, okay, so if, if this is the weekend, then you've already screwed up your week, and God can't help you because all the damage has been done. But if this is the first day of the week, and we're worshiping, we're setting up the stage for the victories that we haven't even, let's put it this way, battles we haven't even encountered and victories that we're going to win. Because we're setting the stage. In other words, we're positioning ourselves. We're praying. We're praising. And I want you to see something that's amazing that happened. Look at this. Talk about a sense of divine luck. Ha, ha, ha. Look at verse 22. They're praising him, giving thanks to the Lord. At that very moment, say that with me, at that very moment that they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves, and literally they destroyed themselves. Now, can, can you please see through the eyes of faith with me? Sometimes we just come to church and we're so religious. We've been raised in church and we know we're going to sing some songs and then we're going to receive the offering and then some guy's going to preach the Bible at us and we're going to say a prayer and we're all going to go home. We'll come back next week and do it all over again. 
you're dealing with way too many issues, and I believe those issues are going to increase in the craziness of this year. We're going to be dealing with way too many high-level issues to just go through the religious ritual. Some of you need massive breakthrough in your family, in your marriage, in family members. Some of you need a breakthrough in your body. You need healing. Some of you are tormented in your mind. Some of you are hurt and wounded, and you need healing of your heart. I mean, we're talking serious, serious stuff. And I want you to see what happens. We come together on the first day of the week in the morning because we're prioritizing the king and his kingdom. Amen? And we worship, and I want you to notice this. As soon as they opened their mouths and started singing, at that very moment, God starts winning. Amen. So let me just ask this question. I was praying for, I'll make a statement. I was praying for some family situations in my own household this morning during worship. Because during worship, as I was singing about the greatness of God, I started talking to God about things that matter and about things that need change. I did it during worship. It's okay, by the way, to talk to God during worship. I mean, if you're just right there and you're just talking, we're all singing, you're just talking to the Lord, that's okay, okay, it's good. And he's probably talking back to you. But what I want you to see is what if we came with praise as a weapon? And you said, as soon as I open up my mouth and begin declaring the greatness of God, God is moving on my behalf. Amen. Well, Pastor, how, how, how do you know he's doing that? Because it's in the book. Amen. And if he did it for them, why would he change the way he acts with me? If singing was a weapon for them and it drove three armies into total confusion and they destroyed each other, then why could God not send uh, his angels to war on my behalf and cause Satan's kingdom to get in chaos and destroy each other and for the whole situation to evaporate? Because I chose to worship and I chose to pray and I chose to get in the right position and I chose, listen, to prophesy. Can some of you please try this, all right? Use your mouth to declare the blessing of God over you, your family, the church, our nation. And don't use your tongue for wickedness. Amen. Okay, I also give you permission during worship. Prophesy. You're singing a song, and whatever that song is, it's declaring a truth about God. And you just say, Father, I just thank you. Even now you're moving. Even now victory is ours. Thank you for giving me what I need. Thank you, God, that you're going to show us. Thank you for wisdom, Lord. Who is smarter than you? No one is smarter than you. And so, Lord, thank you. You're going to show us with specificity what we need to do. Hallelujah. That is such worship. When people come up to you and they're dealing with situations, how many of you know it takes just as much faith to say, you know what, God's got this. You're going to make it. You're going to come through on the other side. As it does to say, oh, my God, that is a terrible situation. Oh, wow, oh, wow, stinks to be you. Oh, oh. It takes just as much faith to declare the blessing of God and hope. How many know God's the ultimate hope dealer? That's what he does. He's a hope dealer. So open your mouth and be a hope dealer with people and prophesy and declare the goodness of God. Now, okay, let's talk a little bit about the weapon called provision. This is so good. I'm winding down here. Only an hour or so more. I'm just kidding. I'll be done. Look at this. Verse 25. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. 
They found vast amounts of equipment and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, it took them three days just to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name, by the way, that day, because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. In fact, it is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Now, Pastor Ron, what is the application today for cleaning up three days, cleaning up plunder? Three whole days of going out and carting back all the goods of the enemy. What would be the application today? Well, I don't really know. But it sure is fun thinking about it. This is what I do know. Every one of you in this room has been robbed by the devil of something. And you can either roll back and say, well, que sera, sera. I'll just chalk it up for the providence of God. Or you can literally say, you know what, devil? I'm sick of your guts. And I'm sick of, I'm sick of you robbing and plundering my family. And you know what? It's coming to an end. Some of you knew this story. It's worth repeating. But when we, our church got plundered by the enemy at one time. We lost a lot of good people. There was a lot of confusion going on, a lot of this going on, a lot of misunderstanding and hurt. You know, the normal stuff that the devil likes to bring when he wants to plunder you. And I literally was praying in this sanctuary, and I, and I could not believe that after all the years of ministry and all the people being loved and all the good, good stuff going on, that this sanctuary still could contain the number of people. In fact, we had been plundered, so there was room. And I just made a loop around this sanctuary with my hand on the wall saying, you know what, you, I was preaching to the drywall. You know, you can do that. I was pre- prophesying to the drywall. I said, I can't believe you even feel like you can contain what God is going to do in this place. You will not contain it. Whatever, devil, whatever you have stolen from us, you're going to absolutely return. And you will not, this building will not be able to contain the fruitfulness of what God is going to do. I started prophesying about the future at our worst time. In fact, the first thing I had to do when I took over that season from my father, the first act I had to do was release half of our staff because we didn't have the money to pay them. Do you know that's like releasing your family? It was the most painful, painful, painful season. But what do you do when you're in that season? Do you roll over and quit? Do you stop singing and worshiping? Do you stop coming to church? Do you stop honoring God? Do you stop giving? Do you stop reading your word? Do you stop claiming the promises? Do you just quit? Or do you chuck it off for providence, the providence of God? And trust me, I love the sovereignty of God. But there are times when God's really asking, hey, what do you want this sovereign God to do? Are you interested in getting back any of what the devil robbed from you? Or are you just going to roll over and die? Are you just going to take it? Are you just going to, oh, well, you know, stuff happens. No, you're going to give me back every single thing you stole from me with interest. I want interest. If, uh, if God's messing with your family, who's going to stand in the gap for your family? Who's going to stand in the gap for your nation? Who's going to stand in the gap for your church? Who's going to fight for your children? 
Yes, God is sovereign. And yes, here's the point. He has given authority to you and to me. He's looking for agreement on planet Earth. He's looking for us to do something with it. And so I'm just going to tell you this. I just stopped mocking the lack of provision. In other words, there are some people who say, oh, there's those preachers again talking about provision. Can I just inform you? You can't do nothing without provision. You can't feed your family without provision. You can't go anywhere. You can't put gasoline in your car, and you can't be a blessing to anybody. So why in the world do you mock the church when we talk about provision when you still collect your paycheck last time I checked, and you're still paying your bills, and you still like getting a paycheck, do you not? Because you need provision. God still needs provision to do things. And can I just tell you, when we cooperate with him, he says, you'll spend three days collecting all the stuff I'm bringing back to you. If you'll move in faith and you believe me, there will be supernatural provision, not only enough for you, but for everybody that has a need. God doesn't lack. Hey, thanks, I need some, hold on, I need some encouragement. I, I, I need some encouragement. Amen. I say God doesn't lack anything. They called it the valley of blessing. I prophesy over our church. The places where the devil has ripped you off. The places where you have been broke. The places where you have been broken. God says, I want to turn that into a valley of blessing. Notice it's not the mountain of blessing. It's not the high places where God meets us many times. It's in the valley that God wants to meet you. It's in the low place where God wants to meet you. And some of you, listen, the Lord's saying, agree with me today. Agree with the word of the Lord today. Watch me bring reversal into your life. But you got to do it my way. You got to get in position. You got to get in alignment. You got to move in faith. You got to declare my praises. You got to honor me. And I can turn your valley of pain into a valley of blessing. I will keep you busy collecting the blessings that I have for you, says the Lord. If you'll honor me and don't mock me and don't shrink back from me, but honor me, God says, I will bring breakthrough in the area of your finance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I got two minutes, kid. After the two minutes, pick up the tempo, because then I know I got to talk faster. All right. Last, last weapon. This is important. The weapon called peace. Who would think that peace is actually a weapon of war? But I want you to see this. Verse 29. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. I look at Romans chapter 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. What's the last three words? Whose feet? The God of peace wants to crush the devil, but he will not do it without you. He's looking for some feet. Can I just encourage you? Sometimes you literally lead to take your foot and stomp on the ground and speak to what's under your feet. And say, you're not going to control my family. You're not going to control my, my life. This diagnosis I'm not receiving. I'm standing against it in the name of Jesus. And you fight against the enemy's attack on your life. God's looking for feet. He's looking for feet to go on the necks of his enemies. 
And then he's looking for us to declare the victory that's in Jesus. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Get your feet moving. Get your feet operative. Get your feet in position and fight against the attacks of the enemy. We've got so much. Listen, if you're in a place where you're moving in the blessing of God, then let God move through you to fight somebody else's battle. This is why, please hear my heart. When I get here early and make my way around and touch people and talk to people and hear people, I'll tell you what I hear every Sunday. I hear pain. I hear pain. And I know God has sent some of you here because he wants to touch you and he wants to heal you and you're here because this place is part of your healing. But please hear me. If you have to learn to fight your own battles so you can fight up for other people's battles and so you can fight for their breakthroughs. I'm telling you, the people are going to be flocking into churches where the presence of God is real. There's going to be so many damaged and broken people that are realizing that life outside of Christ is not what it's cut out to be. They're hungry, they're broken, they're damaged, and they're looking for hope. Do you want to be that type of a tribe? This is a place that fights for people. This is a place that fights for breakthrough. And listen to me. Come on, let's just pray into this. Hallelujah. Breakthrough, Lord. Breakthrough, Lord. Give us breakthrough, Jesus. We need you, God. Father, I pray right now for this congregation. Lord, we're asking for healing to break out, for deliverance to break out, for hope. And people, you came here hopeless today, and God wants to touch your heart. For family situations that are so full of pain, God wants to heal your family. For people that you know and love that are so far from God, people that are addicted and they've been in that cycle for years and years and years, God, we prophesy breakthrough that this would be our year of answered prayer, of breakthrough over these situations. God, we've been fasting and we've been seeking your face. And Lord, we thank you. This is the means you prescribed. And so, Lord, we come with boldness and we come with fire in our hearts. And Lord, we ask you for big things this year. Not little things we can do. Big things, God. Give us your vision. Teach us and show us and help us to move in a spirit of peace. I pray for unity in the house and that the love of Jesus would flow one to another, Lord, in this place. We just tell you, Satan, you're not welcome within a million miles of this place. God, I thank you for the open heavens that's over living souls. I thank you for the favor of God that's resting upon these precious people. And Lord, I just ask, as we walk out of this place this morning, as we go back to our areas of ministry, anoint us mightily, God. Problems that we're having, may, may we sing over those problems and watch you begin to work on our situation. God, thank you for breakthrough, and thank you for the testimonies that are going to come even this week. We honor you, most high God. Nothing's impossible for you. We worship you, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory, and we just say, God, restore everything with interest what the devil has tried to rob from us. May your name be praised, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, 
Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on down, all right? We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, have an incredible day. We love you guys. See you. Hey, if you're new, I'll see you at 4 o'clock, starting point, all right?